Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's another brand new edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. As always, on a Thursday, it's Ian Mendes and Sean McIndoo with you. And, uh, you know, we want to try something a little bit different here. You know, we we get bogged down, I think, during the course of the, the hockey season, the hockey cycle. Even into July, you got the expansion draft and the entry draft and free agency. We get so bogged down in the minutia of, you know, news and stuff. We sometimes don't get a chance to just... Do something kind of broader, more fun. I would say let our hair down, but the two of us, uh, we don't really, uh, I don't think we can with the, with the haircuts that we have. Um, so we want to try something different. So in the month of August, we're going to try some themes. And I'll tell you what, to kick off this theme uh, for this uh, this episode here in, in, in August, Sean and I are going to talk about something that I think, Sean, is going to be really difficult to try and nail down. Because I think finding 10 villains in hockey history, that's no problem, right? we got a lot of hated players. Finding 10 likable guys, that's going to be a challenge. So I like this. You came up with this idea, and I know you've kind of played around with this kind of in the modern sense, but how how big of a challenge do we have on our hands in this podcast to come up with the definitive list of the 10 most likable players in NHL history? 
Yeah, it's 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 a tough one, and let's be clear on what we're trying to do here. This is we're trying to come up with the ten most likable. That's not necessarily to say the ten universally beloved, because I know the second that podcast hits the airwaves, somebody will be tweeting us to explain why. No, actually, they hate this guy. Yeah, and they'll have some whole story about you know there's some hooking penalty in a regular season game in 1983 that wasn't called and it just ruined their whole uh, fan experience. So we accept and acknowledge that everybody out there has got somebody that for whatever reason they don't like. But we're going to try to come up with the guys that we think would show up on the fewest of those lists, uh, and it's it's not easy because hockey fans. Boy, we we love to pick guys and and point our fingers and say I don't like that guy. Yeah, that's that's all we do. Uh, so listen, Some that's, days, what, that's yes. that, yeah, that's the theme of the show uh, here uh, today. It is can we come up with a list of ten likable players that boy, it's hard to find a reason to hate them. So like I said, we're we're just doing something different. So the usual segments that we have on this show i.e. Granger things with Jesse Granger or This Week in Hockey History. We're just going to put those on pause until we come back after Labor Day. Those, we'll get back to them, but these are going to be some fresh, kind of just different ideas. So we thought, let's do 10 likable players. And, and I think what we need to figure out, though, like you said, Sean, it's going to be hard to say, using the term universally loved, that's a that's a slippery slope. Because like yeah. I said, someone's going to say, some Flyers fan's going to hate Marc-Andre Fleury, and that's, that's going to be the end of it. So... I guess when we when we're going through the criteria here, let me let me throw out one thing for you. Okay. Could anybody on this list have ever been suspended? Like once you get suspended, it's clear that you've done something egregious and then that the you know you've hit somebody from behind or you've done something so bad that people are, aren't gonna like you. So do you think by the time we come up with our 10 players, will anybody on this list have been suspended I- in their career? You know what? It I wouldn't rule it out. I don't think a suspension automatically disqualifies you. I, I think there are some players in NHL history that were very physical, tough players, maybe played even on the line, occasionally went over it, that would potentially fall into the category of, of players that, at least by the end of their career, were pretty universally liked. So I'm not I'm not taking anyone off the list if I see a suspension on the track record. But you do have to look at that, because I will tell you from experience, and this will come up with a few of the players we, we're maybe going to talk about, there are some incidents that the fans in general, the, the broader fans around the league, probably have forgotten all about that certain fan bases still carry a grudge over. So you you got to keep those in mind. You might look back and go, oh yeah, that guy got suspended uh, three games. Oh, I barely even remember that. Probably not a big deal. There could be a fan base out there going, oh, no, that absolutely was a big deal, and we still remember it. He should have got 30 games, and then you know they will fill up your timeline for the rest of the day. So uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not taking anyone off the list for suspensions, but we might have to tread carefully if, uh, if we see anybody uh, in that category. Now, And where are we going to land on – I'm going to use a couple of guys who are maybe the most iconic players in hockey history, a Wayne Gretzky, a Bobby Orr. Like – those guys are, you know, they're revered. Do they end up potentially coming on this list? Like at the end of this list, does Wayne Gretzky, do Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr end up on our list of the 10 most likable players in NHL history? 
See, this is tough. And this is where you sort of get into what does it mean to be one of the most likable players in history? Are we talking a snapshot of right now where I think, yeah, I mean, Bobby, who doesn't like Bobby Orr today in 2021? Um, but during their careers in the NHL, the best player in the league at any given moment is never universally beloved. There will always be people who find a reason not to like the guy. I, Bobby Orr, back in the 70s, hated by Montreal Canadiens fans, hated by you know fans of other teams that, that he was lighting up. You know, who is this kid, this flashy kid? He doesn't even play defense. He doesn't know how the position's supposed to be played. Wayne Gretzky, oh my goodness. I mean, there were just a million fans out there who didn't like Wayne Gretzky when he was lighting it up uh, back in the 80s. Uh, setting aside the fact that I'm, you know, Calgary Flames fans would would never put an Oiler on their their list of uh, players that they like today. Yeah, absolutely liked, respected. Gretzky, I think, is a guy that uh, you know. I, I, the last time he made anyone mad was probably at the 2002 Olympics when he did his his little <laughs> heel turn for for yeah. Team Canada. Bobby Orr, I would say, right up until he started opening his mouth about his political views, was as close as you you might come. But during their careers. Yeah, they they probably weren't there. Okay, so then the the other category that we may have some problems with is guys that started their careers and were sort of hated, and then we sort of slowly warmed to them. And I'll use a couple of examples. Roberto Luongo would be a great one where, you know, Roberto was the guy that I think in Vancouver he was polarizing. He sometimes said some things. And then he was like the best example of how you can use social media to change the narrative around you. People love Roberto Luongo now. And Yarmir Yager's another one, Sean, who kind of sulked his way out of Pittsburgh. And you're like, man, this guy's moody and he's sullen. And then all of a sudden, he kind of comes back with the Rangers. And then he's like this mercenary bouncing around team to team. And there's the traveling Yagers, and everyone loves him. So what about guys that at one point you were like, man, I hate that guy. And then by the end, you're like, oh, he's he's a pretty cool guy. I like him. How do we balance those things as we come up with this list of likable guys? Yeah, that's, I, again, that's a tough one. That That's where you get to, okay, are we talking right now or are we talking through their career? Because Jaeger especially. I mean, this was a guy that for the first decade of his career, the idea that he would ever be on a list of universally liked players would have seemed completely bizarre, even before the breakup with Pittsburgh. It, when this guy came in, his first few years in the league, he was the prototypical flashy European in an era where that was not something that everybody was into. You know, he came in and he had the long hair and the fancy moves and he had the personality. And who does this guy think he is? I mean, this guy's going to come in like he's some sort of, he's 21 and he's going to strut around like some sort of star. There were an awful lot of players, or an awful lot of, well, an awful lot of fans, maybe some players too, who did not like Yarmir Jagger, didn't like him as the poster child of this new wave of NHL stars. Um, and you're right, it, it really wasn't until the second act when he came back that, uh, that, that I think people really started to appreciate this guy. And then the numbers got up there and, and you know, everyone kind of, collectively realize like oh my god we're talking about one of the all-time greats in the history of this league and he's got some personality and yeah so the hair was fun why were we mad at him about his haircut uh now universally beloved i don't know i think there are some fans even in pittsburgh who might say i'm i'm not sure this guy 
supposed to come back and sign with us. And he went to the Flyers. Ah, forget that guy. And, and uh, you know, certainly some some fans probably of other teams, probably some some fans in Washington who uh, didn't didn't enjoy that whole experience. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if he makes the list, but he's definitely if you were going to chart a guy, Jaeger's got to be one of the only guys that at some point in his career was probably top five most hated player in the league and also top five most loved player in the league uh, in the course of the same career, which it helps when your career spans about four decades. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when he had in the early 90s, he had like some peanut butter in yeah. Pittsburgh? Like He had the peanut butter <laughs> thing and there's a, it's on YouTube. Go find yeah. it. There's a news report of him with his yeah. peanut butter. Uh, there was some weird company that that's all they did is they made like weird grocery products associated with athletes. And uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Jagger salute used to drive people yeah, insane. Exactly. People could not stand that this guy had his own celebration. Like, what is it? Is this the WWF? You're telling me you've got your own taunt when Danny Markov did it to him at the end of the playoffs in uh, 99 when the Leafs beat the Penguins yeah. and Markov looked down the ice and we thought that was the greatest thing that we had ever seen uh, because somebody was feeding it right back to him. I mean, he was a full on heel for the first decade of his career outside of Pittsburgh uh, and sometimes even inside of Pittsburgh. And and the fact that he then came back and and sort of became this guy that and and, and the great thing about that is I don't feel like Jeremy Yeager changed. I feel like we all changed. This wasn't a guy who came back and went, you know what? I'm putting aside what I used to be and I'm going to, you know, become a new guy. And he had the whole redemption. It was the rest of us going, you know what? Yeah, the salute was pretty cool and the mullet was pretty cool. And, you know, we were wrong and he was right. And, and we all sort of came around on it. Okay. So maybe Yarmir Yager is going to be one of those guys that we have on the fence. But let's start this off by maybe coming out with the slam dunk names, the names that we think absolutely unequivocally are going to end up on our final list of the 10 most likable players in NHL history. I'm going to start with this one for you, Sean. You tell me if this is a, a lock it in slam dunk, Jerome Ginla. Uh, it should be. I mean, I, Ginla is one of those guys and, and he maybe is, is at the top of the list of guys who were real physical guys who fought guys who did all the sort of stuff that when you play that way, you would think you're going to leave some fan base somewhere that's mad at you about something. And and in Aginla, maybe, maybe there's a fan base out there that's mad at Jerome Aginla about something, uh, and we'll hear about it. But I don't, you know, it, it, it's even Edmonton, which, you know, Edmonton right. and Calgary is, are the, two of those teams where it's very hard to find a guy for this list on either team because you figure the other fan base blocks it. I mean, you can't pick anyone from the 80s Oilers because... The, uh, or from the 80s and 90s Flames because of the Battle of Alberta. There's going to be another fan base that's going to jump up and go, no way, you can't have that guy on your list. I don't even feel like Oiler fans hate Jerome McGinley. And, and maybe it's because he was, uh, you know, he, he was a, an Edmonton guy. Uh, you know, he, you look at all the things that you know, maybe could have created some of those bad feelings. And, you know, the when we thought he was going to uh, which way to go? We thought he was going to Boston yeah. one year and then at the he trade deadline. Pittsburgh. And he went to Pittsburgh. Okay. So maybe you say Boston fans are going to say, wait a second. All right. What happened there? This guy was supposed to be for us and he goes to a rival, but then he ended up playing for Boston later in his career. So that was okay. And you know, when he went to Colorado, eh, he wasn't very good in the, there, the LA, but left gracefully, no problems left behind, no cap hits or anything like that. 
I don't think anyone hates Jerome McGinley. The one piece of it that I'm kind of worried about is, is are there American fans out there that still have that bitterness over the gold medal uh, game and the fact that Iggy being the guy who set up Sidney Crosby, but even that, I mean, you're, 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 then you're, you're mad at Crosby, aren't you? I mean, if you're going to be mad at somebody for scoring a goal, which is kind of dumb, but but you're going to be mad at the guy who scored it, not the guy who made the great play to set it up. I don't know. I, I There's probably a few fans, maybe for, for his international play on Team Canada 2002 and 2010. But other than that, I can't imagine that there's anyone out there that doesn't like Jerome McGinley. Yeah, that's what I think, too. And I think especially the fact, like you said, and maybe it's different if the Flames and Oilers met in the playoffs when Jerome McGinley was in Calgary. Maybe we're having a different conversation. But I, I think about the way he played the game. I looked it up. I don't believe he ever got suspended, which probably tells you all you need to know about the way he played the game. You think of that fight with Le Cavalier in the Cup in 04. Like, he just, I just don't think that there's people that hate Jerome McGinley. So I think he's a lock it in, you know, write it in Sharpie, he's on. Now, I'm going to throw another name at you. And when I threw this out on Twitter earlier this week, Sean, I threw this name out on Twitter. And the guy, I, I, so I threw out the idea on Twitter, hey, give me your list of the, the 10 most likable players. And fans, you know, tweeted back at us with, you know, hundreds of submissions. And what I loved is one fan tweeted back, well, not one, many fans tweeted back Tamu Solani. And what I love, Sean, is that Tamu Solani himself liked one of the tweets. And oh, with, nice. In which okay. he was tagged. I'm like, okay, Tamu Solani is aware of this uh, this episode of the podcast, a likable podcast. Okay, wait a second. So you're telling me Timo Solani searches his own name on Twitter? No, somebody I tagged him. I don't like him. that. He, I don't, they, like, they it. I don't, I don't like the guy. He's, he's he off, was tagged. His, he's he, off he the was, list. Get off Twitter, Timo, and you'll... Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like Timo Solani is another guy. That That is... And uh, he had his best years with the Jets. This, again, falls into my, my theory that nobody... Hates the Winnipeg Jets, which was a great theory right up until the playoffs this year, and, and they blew it to smithereens for me. But yeah, um, you know, every, everybody likes that that '90s Jets team, um, and uh, yeah, again, early '90s. You know, when he was coming in, scoring seventy goals that rookie year, the flashy European did the celebration, broke a broke the record that belonged to Mike Boss, good Canadian kid, Mike Bossy, and here this Finnish kid comes in and. Uh, after he, you know, after he spends four, he gets drafted. He signs an offer sheet. He doesn't come to the NHL for four years. What is he too good for this league? Or what's going on? So maybe early on, you, you there was a certain type of fan that maybe could have could have worked himself up on on this guy. But it was he was so fun to watch. The personality was there. And then you know, of course, later in his career, uh, when when the personality really started to shine through, uh, the the later years in Anaheim, seeing him get the cup. Uh, you know, had had some good years in San Jose. We won't talk about Colorado. That year never happened. But I, I feel like Timu's Timu's certainly on the list right now. I, I if we really went and dug back in the in the nineties, we could probably find a few fans who who maybe didn't like the guy. I, I know there were some some big rivalry games with the Canucks where uh, things went a little bit sideways that that he was in the middle of. But I don't think any of those grudges could still be standing today. Everybody loves Timu. Yeah, I think even when Anaheim beat Ottawa for the Cup in 2007, I think one of the things that softened the blow for Ottawa fans was like, well, you know what? I don't hate Tamu Solani. At least that guy got a Cup out of it. So 
I think there was a little sense of, you know, he's a likable guy. And and I don't even think mm-hmm. Ottawa fans hate Teemu Solani, even though his team uh, and, beat Ottawa for the cup. You know, the other thing that that's going to come up with at least some of these guys is a lot of them had their breakthroughs on one team, achieved stardom on team, and then there was a bad breakup with that team. And they're, even though a lot of fans will eventually kind of come around and forgive, there's cases where fans of the original team will go, no, I'm I'm not on board with this guy because he left. He wanted out. Team Mussolini didn't want out of Winnipeg. Team Mussolini wanted to be in Winnipeg, and he was very upset when he got traded. So it was, um, you know, even, even that... Uh, can't be held against him. I, I team has got to be on the list. You know, I feel like you just casually dropped in that Solani had some some good seasons in San Jose, and I feel like people don't realize. Like, okay, here's the question for you: Who's the guy that people don't realize played for San Jose? Tamu Solani or Ed Belfort? Yeah, there, there's. I mean, Solani had some good years in San Jose, and it was it was years like plural. It, 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 it he wasn't just there for for a quick cup of coffee the way that. Uh, that, that Belfort just showed up there so briefly, but uh, you're right. It's it's there's there's that might be the longest stint where a player played well for a team that people don't remember outside of that market. It's like you know, for me at least, I think of Solani. It's like he goes from Winnipeg to Anaheim, and then he's just in Anaheim for the next thirty years or whatever it was. Like yeah. it's it's you know the, the the Colorado thing I know happened, but I. Put it out of my mind, but you almost forget all about the uh, the San Jose thing. But he he found his way home, and it was uh, it was pretty great story. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so we got Jerome McGinley and Tamu Solani, I think, fairly comfortably on this list. And you mentioned we won't talk about the year that Tamu Solani went to Colorado, but he went there with Paul Correa. And Correa's name, Sean is another one that has come up repeatedly when we put this out on social media and we said, give us a guy who belongs on the list of the most likable players. Paul Correa came up a bunch of times. So does Paul Correa fit the bill? I think he should. Uh, the question here, and and I just kind of referenced it with Timo Solani is, and the way that he left Winnipeg. Where are Ducks fans on Paul Correa? Because that was a very nasty breakup. In 2003, they go to the Stanley Cup final, come one win away from a Cinderella Stanley Cup. And then over a contract, Paul Correa not only leaves the team, but he leaves $10 million on the table so that he can go sign with Colorado for $1 million because he wants to win a cup in Colorado. There were a lot of real bad feelings 
among Anaheim fans with the way that went down. Not all of them directed at Paul Correa. You know, I think Brian Burke was the GM back then, and there was there was a lot of people who were upset at management, but there were at least some that were mad at Paul Correa. So if I'm hesitant here, it's that I feel like there might be some Anaheim fans still holding the grudge, but I don't think there can be many. Uh, and this is a guy that, uh, and and he has to some extent reconciled with with the Ducks franchise since. So uh, you know, you, you can kind of kind of leave some of that behind, I think. And and the rest of it, yeah, I mean, just w- one of the all time greats, great fun to watch, uh, total gentleman on and off the ice, uh, all all sorts of international success. Um, I can't remember any controversy or anything involving him. Uh, so with that caveat that I'm, I'm a little bit concerned, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to hear from a few Anaheim fans. I think he's on the list too. Yeah. And I think, look, like he got his number retired at the Honda center eventually, right. To whatever 2018. So I think a lot of that sort of, um, you know, they, they put the past behind them. And when I think of, I think of Korea, I, I you know, the only, nasty incident I can think of. He was the victim, right? He was the victim of the Gary Suter, Gary Suter uh, yeah. cross track. And I always wonder too, um, if that doesn't happen, I mean, does Canada, does Canada win the gold medal in Nagano? Like Paul Correa was one of the best players in the game. Yeah. At the yeah, time. He, he was. And, and he, you know, he got taken out. And the other thing with Korea is it, that incident and some others, his career obviously cut short by injuries and concussions. Uh, we all remember the Scott Stevens hit and, at, towards the end of his career and after his career was over, he he had some bad feelings towards the league and towards the game and 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 how it was run and and he um, he shared some of those publicly. And I remember at the time there was some pushback on that. You know, again, we're hockey fans. All we do we do two things all day: we complain about hockey and we get really mad at anyone who complains about hockey. And <laughs> there were I know there were people when Paul Correa was speaking up on that, saying like, "Oh, who's this guy? He makes millions of dollars in the NHL and now." He wants to say that they're not, but I feel like that's another example where 10 plus years down the road, the stuff that he was saying has held up very, very well. And any criticism of him has not held up at all because as we know more about concussions and player safety and all of that, you're looking back on it going, yes, of course, Paul Correa was right. And anyone who was pushing back on him was wrong. Yeah. And you know what, when we talk about the, uh, hey, what if uh, Korea never got uh, cross-checked by Gary Suter to this Canada win the Olympic medal in or a uh, gold medal in 1998. That's a little foreshadowing. I think later this month, we're going to do a what if episode where we take your favorite what if questions, because that is a great one. What if Paul Korea doesn't get hit by uh, Gary Suter? So I think, I think, I think Korea's on the list. Now I'm going to go with a active player here. Okay. I think we've pretty much gone with retired players. Let me slide in an active player who was very much in the news cycle uh, this summer. And that's Marc-Andre Fleury. Sean, Marc-Andre Fleury, flower. He's smiling. He's always in a good mood. He's upbeat. He's likable. Is Marc-Andre Fleury on the list of the 10 most likable players in hockey history? He's definitely real high on the list of active players, I would say. Um and again, you look at this as he's now onto his third team. The way that he left the first two teams, very positive as far as the fan response. You know, he orchestrated his own exit out of Pittsburgh. He saw the writing on the wall, knew it was time to go. Goes to Vegas, becomes the most popular player in the young history of that franchise, and then gets traded under circumstances that um, certainly weren't ideal, but but uh, that that reflects on the organization and not on him. 
Uh, it's boy, it's always risky to put an active player on there because you never, you know, he's he's still got a year or two left. That's still lots of time to go and do something. But I feel like, again, this is a guy that, you know, anytime you're talking about somebody, you know, we talked about how tough it is to get a Battle of Alberta guy on the list. I know anytime you talk about somebody who was well known as a penguin, there's going to be a Flyer fan somewhere ready to jump in. But even then, what, what, what are you mad at Marc-Andre Fleury? That he gave up six goals a game in that one crazy playoff series? Like, yeah. that was that was amazing. You can't be mad at the guy for that. Um, you know, any... Uh, who else Who else would be mad at Marc-Andre? Canadian fans mad about the World Juniors 15 years ago? You got to figure they're over that by now. Um, I feel like Marc-Andre Fleury is probably a, a reasonable pick. He's, he's certainly a candidate, at least, wouldn't he be? Yeah, I think there was maybe for a, a brief window, there were some Chicago fans who were like, if this guy doesn't come to Chicago, yep. uh, I hate him. But no, he, he's coming. He's going to play in Chicago. So I, I think it's it's really hard to do, I think, to be a goalie uh, for this long in the game and be be this well-liked and this well-respected. But that, that's yep. what Flowers done, right? So- and, and you know what else he's he's done? And I don't know if this was intentional, but it's a good tip for any other players out there who want to be on this list someday. Whenever there's been any dirty work, he's got an agent who does the dirty work for him exactly. and puts his face and his name on it, right? If Marc-Andre Fleury had tweeted out the sword in the back picture, maybe we're having a different conversation. But it's his agent. What are you going to do? He can't control his agent. I'm sure he didn't know, wink, wink, that that was, uh, was going to come out there. So that's uh, that's maybe be a, a, a little tip. I've always always have a good heel manager who can take the heat when it's uh, when when something has to happen. Okay, so Flurry, of course, uh, is kind of big moment in the NHL 2009 Stanley Cup Final. Uh, Pittsburgh beats Detroit in Game 7, and as the uh, clock ticks down in that game, Marc-Andre Fleury moves from left to right and stops Nick Lidstrom on a point-blank chance to seal the Game 7 win, and that takes us right to Nick Lidstrom and those Detroit Red Wings team. Sean, I'm going to give you two names of very likable guys that won Stanley Cups in Detroit that might end up on our list. And that is Nick Lidstrom and the magic man, Pavel Datsuk. Where where do we fall on those two guys, Lidstrom and Datsuk? Yeah, I, I feel like those guys are both pretty good candidates. You know, I... All right, let, tell me if this sounds crazy because I'm kind of forming this thought in my head and I'm not even sure that I buy it as, I, as I'm getting ready to say it. But I feel like if we're doing a list of 10 players... Nobody hates. I feel like Nick Lidstrom is near the top of that list. I don't know anyone who hates Nick Lidstrom. I mean, this is one of the all-time great players. One of the the guys that just, you know, played the position so perfectly. I don't remember any controversies. I don't remember any, you know, anything going on. I feel like if you're saying nobody hates, Nick Lidstrom is high on the list. I feel like if you're saying players that everybody loves, I think Datsuk moves ahead of him because I feel like there's more people out there who'll go, I loved watching Pavel Datsuk. Whereas Nicholas Lidstrom was a guy that part of the appeal, part of what made him so great was that there were nights you didn't even notice him. You you didn't, you know, Nicholas Lidstrom didn't do anything crazy. He didn't go end to end. He didn't lay anyone out with a big hit. He was just absolutely perfect for the entire game. And and what happened is at the end of the game, you didn't notice Nicholas Lidstrom, but you also didn't notice any of the good players on your favorite team because they were out there against Lidstrom and he shut them down. Whereas Pavel Datsuk was more the highlight reel guy, the magic man, the crazy, you know, the the crazy breakaway moves and all of that. Um, so I feel like he's maybe more 
more on the list of guys that people love, and Lidstrom is on the list of guys that nobody hates. Yeah, that makes sense. Like Lidstrom was almost robotic, right? Like he's the type of guy that if he took his shirt off and there was like a USB port on his abdomen, mm-hmm. you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. This guy probably, mm-hmm. he's just a robot. He just plugs in, you know? Yeah. I think, whereas, like you said, Datsuk was so magical that it, it was always fun. Like, he's one of those guys that probably would, I mean, Alexei Kovalev would be there, but I mean, Kovalev's more polarizing. But in terms of players that fans like to just go to the internet and watch highlights of them. Yep. Boy, mm-hmm. Datsuk breaking people's ankles or the shootout move, or whatever. Boy, that's uh, it's really tough to 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 put anybody ahead of him. And he was so universally loved. Like I, yeah, I among really the just, players too. Which yeah, was, remember, remember the year when they started doing the All Star Draft, and like it was, like it, I mean, there there was going to be a fight over who got to draft Pavel Datsuk because everybody wanted to play with this guy. Like he Pavel Datsuk, and this is a, a compliment you hear in sports sometimes, and I think it applies to him. Pavel Datsuk was your favorite player's favorite player. So, you know, he's a guy that, uh, and, you know, which is why we, at some point, we might do a Hall of Fame debate episode. And when you look at his numbers, you kind of go, I don't know, is is he a Hall of Famer? Yeah, he's going to be in first ballot because everybody in the hockey world loves this guy. Now, you know, playing career ends and he goes off and, you know, he's, Got some opinions and, uh, you know, some some pieces of his personality start to come out and maybe you scratch your head a little bit. But up until the point that he leaves the NHL, I, I don't think there was I don't think there was a mark on this guy's record. You know, I'm starting to wonder, could we have cut this um, this show short and simply just read off a list of Lady Bing winners? Hmm. <laughs> like, Because Pablo yeah. Datsuk won a whole bunch of Lady Bings. I just look it up. He won four, I think. That uh, certainly four helps. Four in a row. And yeah. so, you know, you, you start to look at some of the names on the list of Lady Bing winners, and it's guys that we've kind of talked about already or or we've bandied about, right? Like Paul Correa, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, and we're going to get to can, a couple of other guys here. Can, can I tell you a funny Pavel Datsuk story? Yeah. I'll, I'll keep it short. But my, uh, so I've, I've got a son and he's like a, a lot of kids his age, he loves YouTube. And he went through a phase where he loved to watch hockey highlights on YouTube and there were... Uh, there, there's a ton of videos on YouTube where it's just the top 10 this, the top five that, bloopers, great plays, whatever. And and he used to love to watch that stuff. And so we had a rule. I said, if, you're, if you've got your, your screen, you can watch this stuff, but you can't watch anything that's violent. I don't want any injuries. I don't want any fights. I don't want anything like <laughs> that. Unless, unless you, you got to ask a parent. Mainly because I didn't want him finding like Clint Malarchuk or something like that when he's, he's sitting there on his own. So uh, anyway, so he he went through his phase watching this stuff. And one day I was sitting with him and for some, we were talking hockey. And for some reason, Pavel Datsuk's name came up and I could see in his eyes that he knew who I was talking about. And he go, I go, you know who Pavel Datsuk is? And he says, oh yeah, dad, Pavel Datsuk was one of the most violent players in NHL history. And I went, uh, what, where did, where are you getting this from? And he says, well, I saw a YouTube video about, how violent he was and how many people he hurt. But he says, but dad, I want you to know, I didn't watch the video because I know the rule and I followed the rule. I didn't watch the video, but I saw the title. And I go, what was the title of this video that you saw? And he said, it was the top 10 times that Pavel Datsuk broke someone's ankles. (laughs) And I was like, 
Oh, dude. So I had to explain to him what that actually meant because there, for a while, in this kid's mind, Pavel Datsuk was so violent that not only was he out there breaking people's ankles, but he broke so many ankles that you could make a top 10 list out of it, which implies that it happened more than 10 times. Yeah. That he was just out there breaking bones constantly. And I, I mean, there's a part of me that wishes I hadn't even like corrected him. I just let him let him be the one guy who goes through life thinking that Pavel Datsuk was the most dangerous, vicious, brutal player in history uh, because of how many uh, how many ankle breakers he was dishing out out there. Okay, that's money. I love that story. <laughs> that's gold. And now I'm thinking maybe he had the green light to watch videos of ankle breaking, and now he's just now he's gone down the yeah. wrong rabbit hole. Yeah. Now he's a Bobby Clark. He's got a fan Bo- Bobby page. Clark and yeah. Or- he's- you know the worst one? I always say and it's a baseball one. Remember Jason Kendall of the Pittsburgh Pirates breaks his oh, ankle yeah. as he's running? And I'm like, yeah, that's an any, actual yeah. broken any ankle. Any video where yeah. an athlete is holding up his leg and his foot's pointing the wrong way Dak is Prescott. just like instant. Yeah, yeah, it hit the X on that uh, on that tab. I'm out. Okay, so I'm with you. I think Pavel Datsuk makes the list. Now, what about another member of the Red Wings who um, kind of was in the previous iteration of, of Detroit? And that's Steve Eiserman. And, you know, Iserman's a guy that is really well-liked. Actually, maybe we'll do two guys at once here because they're very similar, yep. and now they're both general managers, yep. and they both wore the same number, and that's Steve Iserman and Joe Sackick. And they had this, this, what I think about this is when you think about that nasty, bitter Detroit-Colorado rivalry in the 90s, and Sackick and Iserman were sort of the the leaders of those teams, they never got their hands dirty in that stuff, right? Like Not they were really, these no. Classy gentlemen. So I'm wondering, like, I'm, and maybe this is the question we ask Avalanche fans, do you hate Steve Eiserman? And we ask Detroit fans, do you hate Joe Sackick? But I feel like if if one of them makes this list, they both make the list. Does yeah. that make sense? I think that's fair. You got to have one or the other. And I'm, I'm worried because, uh, geez, if we put Eiserman on here, that's three Red Wings from that uh yeah. That same era, and I, I don't know about that when they're, uh, uh, especially a team that was that good winning that many championships. But yeah, Eiserman <laughs> again, Eiserman's one of those guys. You go back over his whole body of work, his whole career. First of all, obviously, he comes up in the Norris division, and everybody in the Norris division hated each other. And then there was a time in the mid-90s where there were a lot of Detroit fans that weren't on board with, with Steve Eiserman. I think we've talked about it before, but you, you the all-time cautionary tale of the the narrative of you can't win with this guy the this isn't a guy who could that was steve eiserman in like 95 there were a lot of people inside and outside detroit going you can't win with steve eiserman flashy guy lots of points but this is not a guy you can win with you got to trade him you got to move on and of course now all these years later steve eiserman is viewed as almost the archetypal perfect leader of, yeah. of what you want from a hockey team but yeah he'd be up there and then Sackick too um I you know it could have been different with him. He if a lot of people forget this. Ninety seven, he signed an offer sheet with the Rangers to leave Colorado, and Colorado was still getting established as a as a franchise from a financial point of view. And he signed an offer sheet with the Rangers, and, and Colorado ended up matching. This is the whole crazy how Harrison Ford saved the Colorado Avalanche story. If that doesn't have, they don't match, and he goes to the Rangers. I think that maybe puts a different spin on it because now he's the guy who sold out, took the big money, went to the big market Rangers, who were always stealing other teams' players, and maybe there's some bad feelings in Colorado, even with the cup, all of that stuff. But it didn't happen. They matched. He plays his whole grand and literally, you know, Sackick more than anyone. 
the definition of a franchise player. Literally, this guy is the franchise. He's your best player forever, moves with you to a new location, and then, oh, your career's over? Okay, run the team now. Uh, he's uh, he. I, I feel like he and Eiserman both have to be on there, but and we're loading up too many Detroit guys now. Well, and, and, and probably somewhere, Henrik Zetterberg is like, well, what about me? Like, what did yeah. I do? How, yeah. how am I not on this list? Like, he's a likable um, He's a likable guy. Uh, that know, was the but- secret for Detroit, man. <laughs> they just had a team full of like 15 guys you hated and then two guys where you're like, oh, but I like him. He's he's cool. You know where, where Joe Sackick, where I really related to him? I'm like, this is a this is like a like a person that anybody can relate to. It's when he stuck his hand in the snowblower. Yeah, I knew I'm like, you were going to say that. You know? I knew that's like, where you were going. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I could see myself doing that. Like yeah. I, something like that. I'm like, yes. Thank you. That's exactly. You're like, is this guy, man, this is, you look at Joe Sack and you look at his career and his his GM, you're like, does this guy ever make a mistake? Does he ever make, yeah, he does. When it's time to, when it's time to unclog the snow, uh, the snowblower, that's where, that's, that's his kryptonite. That's his nemesis right there. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, you know what? I think Eiserman and Sackick would be uh, pretty close to it now. Uh, But Steve Eiserman did have a falling out with somebody else whose name you want to bring up. And that's Martin St. Louis. Now, their falling out happened in Tampa Bay and may have been rooted in the fact that Dyserman left St. Louis off of the Olympic rosters in 2010 and 2014. Um, what I find interesting is Martin, Martin St. Louis is another guy, Sean, who's on the list of he's won multiple Lady Bang trophies. So he kind of has that gentlemanly feel. But I kind of feel like Marty St. Louis and Tampa, that, that, the way that that broke up, I kind of feel like that takes him off the list a little bit. Yeah, but I think it might. I I, yeah. I put him on there because this is somebody I've I've written about this topic a few times, and I think once was way back in the Grantland days. So this is like 2013, and it was before all of that happened. And I think he was a real good candidate back then because you know he's the small guy. We all love it, it, not just in hockey, anything. You you give us an athlete who's clearly smaller than everyone else, and we love that guy, right? We love Spud Webb. Yeah. We love Pinball Clemens. Uh, and, and Martin St. Louis was that guy and, and obviously a, a legitimate superstar in the league, but the way that that ended, I think probably does take him out of the running. And, and I, I don't feel like there's a ton of bad feelings still in Tampa. I feel like that was kind of a, a, a situation where they, they understood it, it worked out probably for the best for the team and, and all of that. But, but even outside, like, I think there's a lot of people who would look at that and go, you can't have a guy on this list who forced his way out because he was mad. He didn't, he didn't make an Olympic team that he did eventually end up playing on, which is the ironic part of all that. But uh, (laughs) I think he probably doesn't make the list and I'll throw one other guy out there. And I didn't put him on the list that we were talking about just because I I feel like he's not the level of star that you need, but Steve Sullivan, I think is another guy falls into that. The the small players bounced around, played it for a ton of teams. I, I feel like everyone, everyone loves him. And if you don't, uh, Go and look up the clip of him with the fan. Yeah. Go type Steve Sullivan fan into YouTube and then tell me you don't love this guy after that. he's 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 got to be an honorable mention at least. Yeah. No, there's no other Steve Sullivan highlighter memory you can think of other than him and the fan. Uh-huh. That's I mean, that's the main one. That's yeah. the, just the all-time great. And again, if you don't know what we're talking about, yeah, I'm, I'm always so happy. This happened a few weeks ago when we were talking about the uh, the – the 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 weenie clip and people are going i i i had never seen this before until you mentioned it and i went and i checked it on youtube 
it, we're giving you a gift. If you don't know what we're talking about, yeah. type Steve Sullivan fan into YouTube and watch the clip that comes up. Okay. I got one other kind of, uh, we'll call it modern day players. And we'll wrap up by hitting some old school players that, you know, may, may end up on the list here. So right now, look, like I said, Aginla, Solani, Korea, Datsuk, they're on this list. Uh, you know, I think Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, Lidstrom might be, uh, Sakic, Iserman. But what, where do we fall on the Sedin twins? Yeah, and imagine that's... if we only pick one of them. We're like, yeah, yeah. Daniel, yes, Hen- Henrik, <laughs> yeah. no. But where do we right. fall on the, uh, are the Sedin twins likable? Or do <sighs> yeah. they have some stuff? I always think of the Brian Burke press conference from yeah. the 2002 playoffs. And they were, I'm sure Detroit fans didn't like them. And they had some... Heck, in their own market, they weren't loved until they yeah. It they took really a while. Took that next step, right? That they definitely yeah. It definitely took a took us a while to warm up. Here's my question with them: Are we giving Bruins fans a veto here? Because I feel like they're. I feel like Bruin fans, even though they won the rivalry, I feel like there's at least a few of them that are going to put their hand up and go, "No, no, we're not. We're not putting this the Sedins on there." Yeah, they were they, while they played. And I would say for most of their careers, they were <sighs> divisive isn't the right word. That makes it sound like it was split down the middle. But they, they were uh, players that there were a lot of fans that just didn't like these guys for reasons. I don't yeah. know if it was the identical twin thing. I don't know if that creeped people out or what it was. <laughs> but that for whatever reason, you just kind of, and then it was almost towards the end of their career where you went, oh, yeah, these, these guys were great. What were, what were we talking about? But I, I don't know that they're universally it, it i feel like the needle's moving in the right direction for them year after year maybe by the time they're in the hall of fame they'll be on the list i don't think they're on my list right now yeah it's yeah it's a, it's it's a tough one and um yeah especially like but like you said i think we need to like boston fans boy yeah. i mean is there any opponent like I'm trying to think That's of a, the thing. A, like I mean, if we, let, if we get Boston yeah. fans a veto, we can't have any Vancouver, no Montreal, no Toronto, <laughs> yeah. like down the list. I mean, at yeah. some point, uh, <laughs> exactly. yeah, at some point, Pittsburgh from the 90s, like we got to, you know, we, there's there's only so many. Like, I, I feel like they should only be, it's like fantasy football. Like, you can't vote to veto every trade. Like, at some point, we're taking your button away. So I don't know how we're going to handle Bruins fans here. Okay, so speaking of the Bruins, let's let, let's debate some older names that might be on the radar here. And one that you brought up, which I think is interesting, is Raymond Bork. Ray Bork, of course, played 95% of his career with the Boston Bruins, ultimately left, played a couple of seasons with the Avalanche, won a Stanley Cup. Uh, it's an iconic scene where Joe Sackick hands him the cup. It's, you know, it's a great moment. It's one of the great endings of a career. Is Ray Bork on the list of most likable players of all time? I'll tell you, I grew up as a Habs fan. Yep. So I didn't like Ray Bork, but it wasn't from anything like that he did. Because was he one was of those, a star, right? Yeah. He's a great player. Yeah, you and just hated him because he was good. Yeah. But you even know, then, like, you know, it, he wasn't a guy where, you know, there were certain stars from that era that you absolutely could understand why somebody wouldn't like him. Like, you, you're telling me you don't like Marc Messier? Yeah, I get it. You yeah. know, just, just based on the 80s, forget about Vancouver in the 90s. Like, uh, you know, you didn't like Doug Gilmore? Sure. Yeah, I absolutely could see that. You go on down the list. Yeah, Bork, I, you know, he he was a real clean player for the for the era and the position, which is to say he was still, you know, breaking wrists and ankles fairly regularly, but didn't do it as often as other guys. And I, and I just feel like with him, the move to Colorado and the way that ended was like such a palate cleanser that from that moment forward, 
I, I feel like he's he's a strong contender for the list, even though you're right, in the middle of his career, he probably wouldn't have been because he was just so good that uh, that he it, 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 it was hard to like a guy like that who was that good for somebody else's team. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. So he ends his career with a Stanley Cup. It's one of the rare storybook, I'm out the door with a cup. Another guy that ended his career that way that may end up on this list is Lanny McDonald. And I think, I think, Lanny McDonald from the old school for people who are too young to know. Look, Lanny McDonald, 500 career goals, 1,000 points, iconic player with Toronto, iconic player with Calgary. Um, boy, I and, and maybe the most iconic thing is the stash. Yeah, um, that's it, man. You, you know, you, I, I think Lanny McDonald's on this list. I Yeah, I mean, that is not a name that popped into my mind. But when I saw him on your list, I thought, yeah, you know what? Yeah, he he might be. Now it's been it, he hasn't played since '89. So I there's there's a lot of people listening to this who don't remember Lanny McDonald, maybe even don't don't know him that well. But yeah, there was a time absolutely came up with Toronto, uh, left Toronto under controversy. But again, one of those exits where everybody was mad at management. They weren't mad at Lanny McDonald. It was what what happened was management was feuding with Daryl Sittler and they couldn't trade Sittler, so they traded his best friend uh, as a just. Uh, just, just to be jerks, pretty much. And uh, fans were furious, but they weren't furious at Lanny McDonald. He goes to Colorado. He's, he's okay there. And then he goes to Calgary. Has has one of the crazy outlier seasons. He had a 60-goal season. Yeah, 66 which goals. Is, yeah, not yeah. a – one of the – you know, you, you look down the list of, of the highest goal-scoring seasons. That's that's well up there. Um, and then, yeah, has that great ending. He, he had the Ray Bork ending before Ray Bork. Like, he was the classic – Old guy finally gets his cup until Bork came and, and perfected it. But uh, I, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's that's got to be up there. Again, I'm a little hesitant because 
you're talking the 80s and you're talking a flame. Like, there's got to be some Oiler fan out there who's like, yeah, actually, he cross-checked Yari Curry in the head 13 times. And, you know, okay, well, we all forgot about it. But, yeah, I mean, who doesn't like Landon McDonald, right? And again, it, Landon, there's there's some other old-time players that we could mention. And you might like them and you might respect them. But when we say their name, you can't picture them. And Lanny McDonald, you can absolutely picture Lanny McDonald. And that's that, you know, that that's part of it. That's sort of what works. We hate it. It was a weird era, man. We hated anyone with long hair. That that was a sign that you were open. If you had a crazy mustache, we were completely on board with that. We thought that was awesome. Yeah. You know what? You mentioned uh, hey, maybe there was some time in the Battle of Alberta where Lanny McDonald cross checked Yari Curry. And I think if you're looking at that Oilers team of the 80s, and you had to pick the one guy that look, we already talked about Gretzky being somewhat polarizing and, um, you know, some people who didn't like him. I think if you had to pick the most likable guy from the Oilers, I think you would go Yari Curry because uh, he didn't have the the sort of the sandpaper element of Messier and he didn't have, you know, he was just, he was just a really likable guy. And so mm-hmm. I wonder if Yari Curry is a really likable player. I think he's the guy off that team that, that definitely would, would get the nomination. It's not Gretzky. It's not Messi. It's not Glenn Anderson. Uh, Paul Coffey, if, as as a player, was was sometimes a little dicey, and and he burned a lot of bridges uh, bouncing around teams around the league. Curry could could be that guy. You know, at the time, Yuri Curry was really the first Finnish-born star, one of the very first European stars. So there was, you know, it was a little different. It was a little there were there were a lot of Hockey fans back then who, you know, hockey players are supposed to be good Canadian boys. And I mean, there's still traces of that these days. But back then it was, uh, you know, it it was a full blown part of a lot of fans identity. So I'm I'm guessing that, you know, Yari Curry might say, yeah, no, I wasn't universally beloved in the mid 80s when I was you know, establishing myself as a star player in in Canada on a Canadian team in Canada's game. But uh, in, in retrospect, I think he's one of those guys that's almost maybe even appreciate it more now because he was such a good defensive player. He was a great two-way player. And we, it wasn't that that wasn't appreciated back then, but back then there were superstars who scored and then there were shut down shadow guys that, that stopped you from scoring. And somebody who could play both ways like that. Um, he's, I, I think that his style almost probably would be more appreciated today than it was then. But I, I feel like he's, He's in consideration for sure, I would I would think. You know what? I just thought of a name that we don't have on our list that we uh, had put together. And he just came to my mind as you were talking about the 80s. And this guy's name probably should have come up when we were talking about Sackick and Iserman because he kind of falls in the same realm. Ron Francis. Yep. Ron Francis would be, uh, would be up there as well. Uh, the, the, the exit from Hartford was... Tough, but again, I think that's one where the player escapes most of the blame from it. Although there was some some back and forth, it it, it didn't end on good terms with Hartford, and he, he did eventually come back to the franchise. It was in Carolina by that point, but um, so there there's uh, some mending there. I, yeah, I think he would he would be he would be on that list, but I don't know that I put him up there with Iserman and Sackick, but but maybe I should. I don't know. Maybe now, uh, I'd have to think more on that one. Yeah. Now, what about Borea Salming, who uh, was a you know fixture on the Toronto Maple Leafs blue line in the late 70s and into the early 80s, 
Um, very likable guy, but Borja Salming make the list? Yeah, again, it's similar to Curry, right? The, Salming really was the first European star in, in NHL history. And in the 70s, when he broke in, you can guess what that meant as far as how, how he was perceived. And uh, he had to sort of push back on that. But by by the end of his career, maybe he's he's on the list. And certainly a guy that many, many years down the line, uh, you know, now that we've most of that that garbage is is out of our heads, we're viewed differently. I, you know, he's an interesting one because he's he's kind of the only he, he and he and McDonald are kind of the only Maple Leafs that I could really think of of putting on this list because today you can't put a Maple Leaf on the list. As soon as you say the Leafs, as somebody's going to jump in, oh, I hate the Leafs because of blah blah blah. Back then, the Leafs were so terrible. They were such a joke under Harold Ballard that I nobody even hated the Leafs. That was the worst thing you could say about them. They weren't even worth hating. Uh, you almost just felt sorry. Here's Boris Alming year after year, just putting Norris caliber seasons together for this this awful team. So he's he's in the running too. Again, I if I had to put down a, a top ten list, I'm not sure he's on there, but he's in the discussion. You know, another guy that I don't really know much about because he played, I think, the bulk of his career, his most productive years were kind of before our time. But that's Gilbert Perot, a Buffalo Sabres yep. star, Gilbert Perot, who, if you look at the all time list of, you know, goals and points, Gilbert Perot is, you know, 500 goals, 1,000 points, Hall of Famer, always had a reputation of just being a really nice guy. I, you know, you can't like, Gilbert Perot seems like a really, <laughs> like, kind of, likable guy right yeah i i again this is one where if we're making a list of the best players that nobody hates gilbert perot's in the running beloved players i outside of buffalo i'm not sure he played his whole career in buffalo was an amazing player an absolute yeah and and sabers fans would probably say underrated and i think they'd be right underrated as far as stars of that era um I don't think he's appreciated enough, which unfortunately probably takes him out of the running for being uh, one of those guys who everybody loves because there's a lot of people going, oh, yeah, Gilbert Perot, I've sort of heard of him, but, uh, you know, especially younger fans. Um, but, yeah, go go look up his numbers and look up some of his highlights. He was a hell of a player. Okay, we're going to end the show with a guy that I think will end up being on the list, and it's way before our time, and it's Jean Beliveau. It is yep. a guy who, when you say his name, the first word that probably comes to your mind is gentleman. Like, mm -hmm. right? Like, Jean Beliveau is one of the most iconic players in the history of a franchise that might be the most iconic franchise. And, you know, the way that he is revered and his life is revered, how they keep that little seat for him at the Bell Center. Um, I'm thinking if you're talking about the most likable players, boy, I would think even back in the day in the 60s and the 70s, when the Montreal Canadiens were hated, I, I'd have a hard time thinking people hated Jean Beliveau, right? I, I, I said at the beginning of the show that I, we're going to have a hard time getting any, anything close to a unanimous pick. This is, I think, as close as we can get. And again, it's before our time, so I couldn't tell you what, what fans in that era were saying. I'm sure there were, there were some fans who didn't like the guy. But um, yeah, I, today, I think Jean Beliveau is as close to being the one name that everybody would agree on. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, you said the word gentleman. There, there's a word that I hate when it comes to hockey because it gets, it gets so overused. And, and so I, I cringe every time I hear it. And that word is class. 
everybody's oh, cl- yeah. it's class yeah. oh it's so classy you know some some franchise puts out a tweet saying thank you for playing for our team and everyone goes oh they're so classy everybody wants everyone to be classy like we're all wearing top hats and monocles and i can't stand that word <laughs> except when it's applied to jean beliveau because he was the epitome of class he's the one guy that uh that i i don't mind when they break that word out for and he's uh just just so you know his his playing career after his career everything you you went down the list i i feel like there's one name we can end on where we're gonna get something close to unanimous he's the guy uh and i i can't wait to hear from a bunch of angry fans who want to tell me why they hate sean bellable yeah um listen i i think a petition to rename the lady bing award the jean bellable trophy or the jean bellable award would be fantastic right like oh you mean we shouldn't we shouldn't have an award named after some rich guy's wife that yeah uh, yeah no i i would uh i'd be right there right there with you on that one okay as we wrap up uh this podcast here so here's the 10 names that we sort of uh settled on we'd love to hear from you, you can tweet us or you know can always send us an email uh the athletic hockey show at gmail.com so here's our our list of 10 that i think we kind of settled on okay jean beliveau raymond bork steve eiserman Joe Sackick, Lanny McDonald, Pavel Datsuk, Marc-Andre Fleury, Paul Correa, Temu Solani, Jerome Ginla. That is our list of the 10 most likable players in NHL history. Aginla, Solani, Correa, Fleury, Datsuk, McDonald, Sackick, Eisenman, Bork, Bellabo. I like it. I like it. It's a good list. And can we just close on a warning I just want to put this out there as a public service because you threw this out on Twitter and you tagged me. So I saw all the replies and a lot of people, first of all, a lot of people have some very strange ideas about who are universally liked players, but there was one name we didn't talk about, but it came up on an awful lot. And I just want to put a warning out there. Everybody out there who's saying that Joe Thornton is a universally loved player. Do not say that around a St. Louis blues fan. I have made that yeah. mistake. I have walked that road. I put Joe Thornton on a list once, and Blues fans have never forgiven me. I get it. Blues fans, I was ready and here to defend you if it came up. Do not ever say or suggest that Joe Thornton, as great as he is, he's got the funny beard, and he's he's got a great personality. He's fantastic, walks around the street with no shirt. We all love Joe Thornton, except for Blues fans. Do not ever suggest, in the presence of a St. Louis Blues fan, that Joe Thornton is universally beloved. You will regret it, uh, and you will wish that you had listened to me. Yeah, and that's for the hit on David Perron uh, back yes. in the day. So, okay, we'll leave it there. Uh, listen, this was a lot of fun. Like I said, we're trying something different here in August, trying some different themes for different shows. So we hope you certainly enjoyed uh, hanging out with us here for the hour as we uh, we talked about the most likable players in hockey history. Like I said, you can always email us uh, any questions or feedback to the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail, 845-445-8459. If you're not a subscriber with us on the print side of things with The Athletic, you can join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show to save on an annual subscription. <laughs>